that give the world to see Where the music's softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath the stars in a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico yeah, once more we go off to uh, Campeche in uh, Mexico and our man there, uh, John Bonfilio. Uh, John, a very good evening to you. Very good evening, GT Martin. Now some remarkable stories uh, coming out of Latin America at the moment, um, especially this plan that uh, Donald Trump had, which was <laughs> bizarre. Um, apparently last year, uh, Donald Trump considered sending half the active U.S. Army, so it's like a quarter of a million uh, troops, to seal the border with Mexico, as well as actually invading Mexico to take out the, uh, the drug cartels. So tell me about that story. Yeah, every time I even think about the story, I do the sign of the cross, you know, as though I'm entering church, uh, just because of the, you know, the thank the good Lord, whatever the good Lord is, that this never came to pass. And the fact that his Pentagon chief and his top national security aides basically talked him down from these two policy decisions, which are extreme, you know, I mean, in almost beyond belief. The first one, as you say, is that he, he was considering sending more than half the standing army, so more than was ever in uh, Afghanistan, almost three times what was in Afghanistan, and way more than was ever in Iraq at the height of the conflict there, to the southern border to completely seal the southern border, which obviously we you know we know he was fairly obsessed with. And the second one, which is even more outlandish, is uh, launching military raids into Mexico, in, you know, brackets an invasion by any other name, to to target. Uh, cartels without Mexican consent until his policy aides suggested that perhaps the rest of the world might look on this as, as an invasion and it might not be uh, the best idea. And actually then I began to scratch around through other strange things that he's you know, he'd said during his tenure and they include the following, which are even weirder. At one point he, he, he pitched the idea of filling a moat on the southern border with alligators to deter migrants. Mm. Um, he considered a heat ray and also uh, wanted to implement a war with flesh piercing spikes down there, which, you know, all of which sounds absolutely crazy and outlandish until you you hark back to and you remember the press conference he gave where he looked straight to Cameron and suggested that drinking bleach might be a good idea. Um, yes. So, yes, uh, the, my uh, days of talking about Donald Trump, I thought were at an end, but it seems not as the New York Times digs up more and more things that took place during his administration. And having said all that, of course, um, he wasn't unpopular, uh, you know, as we he saw from the, the people who turned up at the Capitol. He continues to not be unpopular. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as uh, Biden becomes sort of less popular and less, um, I mean, obviously, as he's trying to get through his, uh, you know, his recovery plan that's going to cost trillions or whatever, um, he becomes less and less popular. Um, it becomes more realistic that there could be a return to for Donald Trump. But yeah, knows? every every day that, that, that passes and, and everything that takes place in the current Biden administration, for sure, has this kind of looming cliff edge of what takes place in the next election. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it definitely carries a significant weight. Now, tell me about uh, we've talked in the past a fair bit about Pablo Escobar's hippos. It does sound like a, a sort of psychedelic band, uh, but it's not. He did have these hippos. They're being sterilized by the Colombian government. Tell, tell me about that. 
Yep, it was another another favourite uh, story on your on your show, Martin. The cocaine hippos, uh, Pablo Escobar, uh, the famed, infamous uh, cartel capo uh, of of Colombia, uh, who was, as a lot of cartel um, heads are, are collectors. They've got so much money, they just start collecting outlandish stuff. And for Escobar, one of those things was hippos. So he had a number of them at the Hacienda Napoles, and then when he was near Medellin, and then when he was finally shot, a number of them escaped because the government didn't know what to do with them, and then escaped into the wild, as it turns out, into almost perfect conditions for the uh, for the hippo in the, in the tropics, and they've been multiplying ever since, to the extent that you've got about 80-plus in the wild now, and the accusations go, the critics basically say, that they damage ecosystems, they harm native wildlife, and that they're also a danger to, to humans. So they've been talking for a while about what to do about these hippos, but actually one of the major problems they've had is that actually they're really popular among local people in, in the area, partly because they're a really... Uh, different uh, attraction. Um, they weren't there before, of course. They're kind of, um, you know, kitchen different and so on. But they also bring in a lot of tourism. So the, the Colombian government for a while wanted to go in and just take them out and, and kill them. But that wasn't going to play out nicely. So what they've decided now is to undertake a very slow sterilization over the course of the next uh, few years by uh, shooting them with, with darts, um, which stimulate antibodies, which basically interfere, interfere with their sex hormones. So um, there are currently a number of unfortunate biologists wading in the very deep waters of the rivers around Medellin looking for hippos with dark guns. My goodness me. So it's not the, it's not, not the plum job, that, really, if you are uh, involved in that sort of business. Um, now, we've talked about Havana Syndrome a fair bit, and is it uh, something that, you know, is it some plot some putin inspired plot to uh, spread illness amongst people in the uh, in the embassies in well uh, initially cuba but various other places as well uh, but the the view that the whole thing is psychogenic if you like um neurologists believe uh, that it's possibly you know psychosomatic and it's not anything to do with putin or anything else it's just because uh, i suppose in the old days they would call this hysteria um mm-hmm. that's that's taking taking hold isn't it i read a big piece in the times this week saying that well actually you know supporting that view yeah, and, and, and largely because nobody really knows what it is that they're dealing with. So they, they keep coming back to this possibility of a mass psychogenic illness or hysteria because nobody's come any closer to actually being, being, being able to identify what this Havana syndrome is. I think a big thing that um, I think two, two things are relevant to this. One is it was particularly promoted as a theory early on when it was taking place in Havana. And there it was a smaller number of people, especially amongst the U.S. and the Canadian diplomats. But it's so widely spread now across territories that it seems to be um, beyond belief a little bit that it might be, you know, actually a, a psychogenic illness that's that's. Uh, uh, that's taking place here. And the second thing is that actually the Defense Department in the U.S. is now, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago in your program, is now actually taking this seriously and has offered compensation for people that um, that are, are actually suffering from this across the world. So I think, you know, if, if they're taking it seriously as a as a disease, then um, it would suggest that there is something there. But, yeah, but the absence of any, you know, finite theories, fixed theories as to quite what this is, which is leading to these brain injuries does suggest does lead to a number of people saying well maybe they're just making it up well not making it up they're just kind of you know imagining it by suggestion yes uh the the actual suffering because it is it's a nasty condition isn't it and uh 
you know people aren't imagining it but you know the, the uh, whereas the symptoms are real uh they can't find out what's uh, what's behind it functional neurological disorders is what uh, is what they've got um but it's difficult to uh, to work out exactly where it's come from but yep absolutely i think we'll, we'll be speaking about this one further down the line on your on your show martin unless you or i get cancelled well, yes, there's always that possibility. possibility. <laughs> live, live, live with that constantly. Um, now, in sport, uh, we know how much um, the Mexicans love uh, Saul Canelo uh, Alvarez. And uh, Anthony Joshua is visiting uh, his trainer. The, the thought being that, uh, you know, he may have a part to play in uh, Joshua's future. Very possibly. And since the defeat... Uh to Alexander Usyk, Anthony Joshua is currently stateside and he's visiting a number of the most famous gyms in, in the US, but in particular it's caught the eye of boxing aficionados that he's been visiting the gym of Eddie Reynoso in San Diego who trains Saul Canelo Alvarez, who, you know, by any measure is the best pound-for-pound pound fighter currently currently out there. So um, the, the, question, the big question is, is there going to be some kind of um, relationship, overlap, mentoring that takes place between Reynoso and Anthony, Anthony Joshua because Joshua does seem to not only need but also he recognises that he needs something different before the second bout with, with Usyk. So, so we wait and see whether he's actually um, going around these, these different gyms to, to work out who may take him on uh, prior to the second bout or whether maybe he's just gathering different perspectives and information um, for himself be, uh, before that, but it certainly uh, caught a lot of uh, a lot of attention in Latin America uh, with Saul Canelo Alvarez and Joshua in the same in the same photographs and in the same videos, and also Anthony Joshua trying to speak some Spanish has been uh, you know mildly amusing. <laughs> well, rather like Not as good as yours. Yeah, I was going to say when you sent me a story from a Spanish newspaper, or sorry, from a Latin American newspaper, I'll try and read it. Um, as always, uh, John, thanks uh, ever so much, and we'll, we'll talk again next week, if that's okay. No problem, Martin. Take care. Good man, good man. There he is. That's uh, John Bonfilio joining us from uh, Campeche in uh, Mexico. Uh,